0: I have never felt this kind of love. I'm glad I made the decision that I made. I heard a lot of sketchy shit about you. How is that? I like you better without makeup so bad.
1: She planned for us to both be here because she couldn't let me go. It's so a little bit awkward.
0: I was just curious what till 30 would be interested in a 24-year-old. It's phony. We need to go over everything: the savings, the checking, salary. Love is blind. I get that, but
1: sometimes love.
0: Hello, guys. Happy Saturday, and welcome to a bonus episode this week. We are like inundated with content, and I wanted to get into it. So, we're going to do a shortened, just, you know, like a cute little weekend refresher of top 10s from Love is Blind, Real Housewives of New York, the part one of The Reunion, and Winter House is Back, y'all. So let's get into it. Y'all know that I usually do recap Love is Blind with Rachel and Desi of Hollywood Crime Scene. You guys heard Desi just last episode. We were talking about the premiere of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but I just was like, Behind. I don't know. Like These past few weeks, I just feel like I cannot keep up. And lord help us all, um, because we're about to have next week, Real Houses of New York, Beverly Hills, Salt Lake City. What else? Potomac is coming back. It's We're really going to be inundated. Winter House will be on. Y'all, what am I going to do? What am I going to be recapping? I don't know. I don't know, because it's really a lot. Because add on to that is Welcome to Plathville and Sister Wives. It is just, that's a lot of content for your girl. Even for me, that's a lot. So how I'm going to navigate it all, it's anybody's guess. You know, that's kind of the fun of the podcast. I'm just lying by the seat of my pants for the most part. Um, but you guys, there might be something that could be helping me as uh Oh, you guys have been on this journey with me for quite a while. I've been begging to get screeners, and finally, I did. <sighs> I'm so happy. This is like going to change my life. It's going to make my life so much easier. I'm so grateful. Oh, I'm so excited. This is like such a weight off my shoulders. So shout out to NBC Universal for helping me out. I am. So, so grateful. Um, With that being said, y'all, let's get into this episode. Let's start off with uh, Netflix, actually, over at Love is Blind. Um, Gosh, when I was able to binge this, I was like, wow. The fuck? So let's get into it. Starting with, we just got to get Uche out of the way, right? The man is an emotional terrorist. He is one of the worst people. He is pompous. He is a know-it-all. He is... And not in the delightful way that I am, you know? <laughs> um, But he is just so, like, he feels like he knows everything, or he acts as though he knows everything, and though, like, he is, like, the 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 arbiter of right and wrong. Like, he's such a weirdo, though. Shaming Aaliyah, who I called Ari Lennox the whole time, tell me... That girl doesn't look like Ari Lennox. Twins, okay? Shaming poor Aaliyah as if she isn't going through enough being an ICU nurse as her career for having cheated in the past. Because they have this conversation, like, it it starts like this. Uche and Aaliyah, they're getting along in the pods, and it's very clear that they're headed towards he's going to be popping the question, right? So one of the last conversations they have in the pods is, He's like, oh, you know, I'm going to be, you know, I'm here. Don't worry about a thing. I'm so focused on this relationship. Like, we're solid. And then Aaliyah asks the question of, well, what are your deal breakers? What would cause our relationship to go into question, right? And his thing, his deal breaker was uh, lying. He doesn't lie, whatever. So he asks her if she cheats. Has she cheated? She says yes. <clears throat> now she tells him the whole story. He's asking her all these interrogative questions, like how long ago was this? Oh, so you're a recent cheater, because she says two years ago. (laughs) And she's explaining the situation of, like, we weren't having sex. I was communicating to that that to my partner that I wasn't feeling wanted, that this was something that I needed. I had sex with one person one time. I felt really bad. Well, how long did it take you to tell him? Three months. Oh, three months. Wow. Now, granted, like, I... Clearly, I'm not pro-cheating. However, the way he was, uh, like, coming at her and, like, wanting to hold her accountable and shame her in real time about this was just very odd to me. Like, again... If I found out that somebody I was dating had like cheated and it was their last relationship, I wouldn't be thrilled. I wouldn't be thrilled. But I also, I don't know. The way that he just like went on and on and on to the point where she is leaving the pods, sliding down the wall like a damn Keisha Cole video, crying with her shoes in her hands, barefoot in this hallway, It was just like a lot, a whole lot. It was after they make up, because he is somehow able to wrangle her. Tells her. Shock of all shocks. Now, this man who's been saying like, oh, I I don't uh, lying is a deal breaker for me. I can't do it. I can't do it. Tells her that he actually realized early on in the experiment that he was had previously dated somebody who's also in the experiment, one of the ladies in the pod, who we found out is Lydia. Now, the wildest thing about this is that Lydia and Aaliyah have formed this, like, sisterhood, very close steel magnolias type of friendship with one another in the women's quarters right because you know they always have the the people like you know talk about you know who they're who they're feeling you know i'm really feeling him you know things like that but they formed a friendship and lydia's really like taking Aliyah under her wing looking her in the eye after she's crying being like i know you i am you I see myself in you and I don't want you to make the same mistakes. Like leave this man. He should never make you feel this bad about, you know, a situation that really had nothing to do with him and blah, blah, blah. Um, so we find out to be like, you know, unbeknownst to Aaliyah, not only did Uche and her best friend in the quarters date, They were fucking as of, like, three months before the experiment. And poor Aaliyah gets egg in her face again because she, what I'm to understand is that, obviously, we see this scene where, in the very beginning, Uche's waiting for, you know, the next contestant to go into the pods. She hears his, and recognizes his voice first, and she's like, you don't know who I am? So she explains it. And then she says something like, oh, well, do you think maybe we should, like, try to keep this good time going? And Uche says, ultimately, no, I don't think it would be fair to the experiment. So what I'm to understand is that also production um, it got involved into this situation, and told both Lydia and and Uche not to say anything so that they didn't like mess up the integrity of the experiment. And then like, they got to a point where they were like, okay, you can tell now Lydia and, um, or no, uh, Aaliyah and Lydia's partner, Milton, who we'll get to in a second. But, uh, yeah. Aaliyah finds out from Uche first. So she goes back to the women's quarters and she sits Lydia down on the couch and is like, I know. I just want to let you know that I found out. And Lydia's like, oh my god, you know, okay. Great, great, great. So she's, like, talking to her. They're staring at each other's eyes. They're crying. They're hugging. They're embracing. They're having this moment. And Lydia just, like, hot, like, just, like, diarrhea mouse all over, telling Aaliyah everything about Uche, what kind of car he drives, his favorite color. And Aaliyah's like, mm-hmm, yeah, I don't really want to know this stuff. Like, I just kind of want to let the process play out naturally, like, fairly like everybody else gets to like I just don't really want to like know Uche's personal information and Lydia's like "Uh uh-huh totally I hear you I respect you um but we did fuck like three months ago and I've been to his house I've seen his dog and I got his dog a toy and here's the last four digits of his social security number I met his mama like you know like all this stuff like totally not hearing or respecting Aaliyah whatsoever so this gets to the point where Aaliyah's just like had enough and they tell uche while he's doing his interviews yo um oh he goes into the pod (laughs) thinking that he's gonna have another conversation with Aaliyah because now they're like kind of rocky but they're working things out and they're like um over the speaker uh uh uche uche um she Aaliyah has left the building and so now he's like sitting there with egg on his face which he deserved frankly and he gets the producers to call Aaliyah and they end up having a conversation. This ends with Aaliyah then explaining to Uche that once she went back in those living quarters, Lydia made her feel super uncomfortable with saying all this shit about him. And not bad stuff, just like anything, any information about him at all that she specifically asked her not to share. Um and that she had heard that Lydia was telling other women in the pods, I feel like I might meet somebody from my past here. And if I do, then that'll be like fate. So she's like, oh, I think that maybe Lydia found out that you were there. And then she's her brain gets a spinning is like, well why like, did you guys plan this together to be on the show? And then at one point she goes, you know, and if you did, why wouldn't you guys just go on the ultimatum instead of Love is Blind? <laughs> so that's really their final conversation where Uche's like, well, it sounds like you don't trust me and that you just kind of took her word for it and like, I can't do this, right? So he basically is like, well, you know, like, you can't quit. I'm le- like, you can't fire me, I quit, right? So <laughs> he is an idiot Um, This does come up later when all of the group comes together after the vacation to meet up with each other and Lydia and Uche have a conversation in which, Uche tries to, like, shame Lydia. Honestly, it's, like, 60-40 as to who you were, like, rooting for. Because Lydia and Uche both engaged in sketchy behavior. Um, Apparently, Lydia was, like, driving past his house taking pictures. And he was getting messages from girls that he knew in his life that were, like, yo, this chick's been watching my IG stories for weeks now. And I'm giving you the screenshots. Like, he's really trying to make her seem like single white female. However... Lydia's like, this is really wild that I, she finally releases it. And is like, I've been keeping your secret. Um, you've been purporting to be like the arbiter of honesty and truth. And that's your deal breaker. But you totally cheated on me when we were dating. You like, you slept with somebody else. So that's interesting. So really like, again, it seems like both of them engaged in like pretty toxic behavior toward each other, but I'm going to be tentatively team Lydia on this one. Okay, getting to my second one, the cast is dropping like fucking flies in a way that we have not seen in Love is Blind history. Like, it even seemed to me at the very beginning, when everybody was there, it even felt like the cast was smaller there, even though they said it was 15 guys, 15 girls, so I don't know, but obviously, there's a lot of, like, uh... Not leapfrogging, like musical chairs happening, emotional musical chairs happening with the cast. Because, again, unlike other seasons, it's very obvious that there are a couple people who were like, I am Denzel Washington. I'm leaving here with something, okay? I'm going to put a ring on this finger. I want my name changed. And I want my eggs cracked. I don't care who it's with, and if it's not my first choice, I'm going to sit there and cry and, you know, take off my wedge heels, sadly, Johnny, and sit there in a blue dress and try to, like, manipulate my second slash not really really last choice into marrying me after the first guy says that he's not interested interested in me anymore. So there are a lot of, like, eh, love, not you know, love triangles happening here. Johnny and Izzy, like I said, Izzy's like this bald guy. He's kind of like a beefcake sort of dude. He's such a... ugh. He's such a chatty patty for me. Like he was spending all the time in the pods just playing girls. Like you could tell that he was like hot later in life and he did not feel like he got the chicks that he was owed back in high school or whatever. But like now he's got big biceps and so now he's like really killing the game. But he's torturing women. This is a lot like Corey from Winterhouse, but we'll talk about that later. Um, so he spent a lot of time in the pods like being like, oh, girl. Like, to, like, three different girls. You know, I really like you. Like, you know. But asking them, prove it to me. How would you love me? What would you do if you we were in the real world? How would you be there for me? How are you going to step it up for me? Like, just playing those girls and making them, like, approve and pussy pop and jump hoops over to prove their love for him. Right? Izzy didn't make the cut. Stacy ends up uh, winning out. But anyway, um, after that, Johnny's like, I'm i need to be married i need to be engaged so she goes back to chris a guy that she was like you know i don't really think i'm into you i think i'm gonna go for izzy because she thought izzy was a sure thing and then he dumped her ass and made her feel stupid so she's like oh chris um i just i think i made a mistake And and like you're you know i usually go for the crazy guys but you're like the safe choice and that scares me chris and I think that's why I turned you down the first time. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I also got dumped by somebody that I wanted, like, a lot more than you. And it's so obvious to everybody. But I care about you, and I think you might be the one. Fortunately, he does turn her down. But then we find out later that they spotted each other at the airport, and it was like a love at first sight, and they dated. Next, let's get to JP. JP is a man who loves the American flag in a way that's, you know... Giving January 6th, there's another guy who calls him Captain America. Now, granted, I've never seen a Captain America movie, but I have seen Chris Evans in action. And to be Captain America, I imagine that you have to have like a personality or the ability to speak. JP spent all the time in the pods like trauma dumping on people and being the sweetest pie, like I'm a shy boy. Um, you know, just like country boy, you know, just like whatever. And he ends up getting engaged to a 25 year old teacher named Taylor. They do their typical, you know, like he proposes in the pods, but then they finally get to actually see each other before they go on their trip. Right. So they get their little meet cute. And these, this man, I was like, immediately, no, Taylor, go home. He's doing these hard kisses. this like thin lipped hard just like pressing your lips against her face and and hugging her like a creepy uncle. And I thought, "Oh no, Taylor, this is not for you, girl." But she was like, "I love this man down and his cowboy boots." They get to the Mexican vacation, you know, it was supposed to be romantic and getting to know each other and letting the hormones swing and, you know, play in the pool together. The man forgets how to talk. He forgets how to talk in a way where he's just like looking at her like, Yep. Like everything she asks him, like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You fine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good, good, good. You good? Because you're not making any contact with me. Eye contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, good, good. So this is torture having to watch them navigate this vacation where. Taylor's not being great either. Like she's being very I mean, she's twenty five, okay? She, so she's very like insecure and like checking in with him constantly. What's wrong with you? Why aren't you talking to me? Why are you talking so not really like creating an environment in which he's really gonna want to have a conversation with you because you keep asking him why he doesn't want to talk to you. But he started it, right? Like he started it. Now we find out, finally, we find out that JP is clamming up turtling up in his shell because he was she he's telling her this they're like laying in bed having this conversation so she's like makeup free right and he basically shames her and tells her this face this makeup free face that you're giving me right now I like that but I feel like you were just like a little bit misleading when we first met because you were wearing makeup what <laughs> Clearly, this is not the real reason. I think that he was not attracted to her at all, which is wild if you look at them, because, sir. But I I think he was, like, trying to be nice about it, but he also has zero social skills. So he thought telling a woman you wearing makeup on what you knew was going to be in your engagement on television was like too much for me and he's not used to girls who wear that much makeup like she wasn't wearing that much makeup you know what happened is that she told him that she had fake eyelashes and i knew in that moment that they decided to keep that in because you could see that was the day the music died for him like the light went out as soon as he found out she had fake lashes like grow up such a weirdo typically have like four or five couples that make it to the Mexico trip. And then they make it, you know, through the Mexico trip. We only have three couples, Izzy and Stacy, uh, Stacy, who allegedly is 33. I don't know if I believe that, but, um, Izzy and Stacy, we have Milton and Lydia. Lydia was also, uh, going for Milton after she got shut down. um, he was very much second choice, but they kind of bonded over being like nerds and connecting over like gems and and crystals or whatever. <laughs> but so it's Milton and, and Lydia, Izzy and Stacy, and then JP and Taylor, but then JP and Taylor don't even make it through the whole vacation. So we have two couples at the end of it all. So thank God they did not try to like Stretch out any uh, material, and we only had to watch 11 episodes for this season. Thank fuck. Milton and Lydia are, honestly, they're not really that bad. A lot of their situation is that there's an age gap. Lydia's 30 to Milton's 24. His family really has a lot of opinions about that, and they make that very known. Like, girl, what would you possibly want to do with a 24-year-old boy? All of this seems really fake. Every question that we ask you, you seem to have a canned answer for. Like, they're saying this right to her face. They do not care. They're like, really, this seems, like, very stupid. And this is not how we would do any of this. You know, so. That was awkward, but they somehow make it through. That's really, like, their biggest issue. Um, They do make a lot of jokes about their age. Like, Milton will constantly be like, you're old as fuck. (laughs) You know, that that's a lot. Um Stacy and Izzy are the worst kind of couple. Like, the most annoying, one of the most annoying types of couple to me. Like, the Bonnie and Clyde. We've been walking through the fire together. Stacey's constantly being like, we, we were through the storm, through the storm. You were the calm through the storm of all of this. Like, what storm are you talking about, Stacy? You signed up to be on a show. Like, you're acting like... This is something that is happening to you and you just managed to find Izzy and that he's been like holding your hand like the bodyguard through all of it, girl. No, you came on the show with the intention of finding a partner. They found one for you. What is all this craziness that is going on in your life? <laughs> but he's like, what? What is going on, girl? I find those people so annoying. Like, we're fighting through everything. Everything you guys have been together for three weeks before you get married on television don't do this you don't have to do this stacy's constantly asking izzy like buy me flowers and so he has to implement flower monday gets her new bouquet of flowers every monday and you know i want you to be romantic with me and like i want you to do this i need to show you how to love me like she's that kind of chick like stacy very much wants every moment of her relationship to look like one of the best scenes out of the bachelor before they go to the fantasy suite. Like she wants them to be riding in a hot air balloon on a fucking Wednesday. She, you know, like private jets to Turks and Caicos. Like, let's just pick up and go. Like, this is what she thinks her life should be. And granted, that's what I think my life should be too. But like, you gotta be a little realistic, bitch a little bit it's also clear that Stacy is used to living well she has a dad who does very well for himself and had, does well for herself as well tells Izzy at one point you yeah, know like are you okay financially but like just so you know like if we need my dad to help me he absolutely will do that but like I do own a house and like I want to keep savings and, like, I need to keep, like, 20 grand in the bank in case the HVAC breaks or whatever. But my dad also got me, like, so don't worry about it. <laughs> and I could tell some bullshit was happening because every time uh, CeCe would bring up money, Izzy's leg would get to wrestle's leg syndrome, just get to tapping. And, like, he wouldn't make eye contact. His little bald head would get to sweating. It was bad. So then we find out that Izzy... Has like credit and debt issues. Now this man cannot pronounce debt for his like. He pronounces to be in debt every time, even at the reunion. Surely people have been going in on him about his pronunciation of debt, and yet he still says it debt. Wow. So one of their biggest fights is that uh, she finds out pretty late in the game, like days before the wedding, that Izzy had debt. He had. Credit card debt. Like he claims that it's only about $3,500, but he's out of debt now. But he just has like his credit score is affected. So he didn't really want to say anything. He was right waiting for the perfect time to say something to her, but you know, it just never came up until apparently it comes up on camera. And then it's like a weird conversation that we have to see in the aftermath. The second base <laughs> fight that we see them have is when they after the vacations you know they will go and see the person's apartment and how they lived and she's looking through his stuff and he's like oh haha just making a joke about how he's got this little drawer in his bathroom that's like a little lost and found drawer for past paramours you know a bobby pin here a pair of earrings there something like that and she gets annoyed by that but then they go into the kitchen And she sees in his cabinets that all he has are paper plates and red Solo cups. Like, no actual, you know, like, plates and and cups. Glassware. And she is like, I don't get this. I don't understand why you wouldn't have prepared for me. Because I threw things out knowing that you were going to come and see it. So, I don't know why you didn't throw this lost and found thing away. And I don't understand why you would even dare to let me think that you would serve somebody on a paper plate. And Izzy's like, Oh, well I thought that we were like doing this tour so that you could get a glimpse of what I was like before you. And she's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't get why you would do this. Like she ends up crying at one point. And it's like, <laughs> he's like, no, seriously, you're going to be, you're, you're upset about the fact that like possibly at some point in the past, I, I didn't, I serve people on like paper plates. Like on, you're telling me right now that if we, if I was going to like cook you a dinner, and it was on a paper plate that you would be upset with me. Or are you upset about the concept of me serving a woman in my past on a paper plate? Because like, what are you what am I a paper plate quality bitch? Like she's crying. I don't know what she's upset about. <laughs> and honestly, I don't even really care about the little loss and found drawer. Like, is it a little bit of fuck boy? Sure. But also, bitch, he was probably banging some chicks out like right before this experiment started so I don't really know like what's the expectation you know like okay maybe it would have been better for him to like get rid of it or not bring it up or like whatever but are we crying about this I don't know (laughs) oh my god and then the best part of all the best part of the whole series is that right before the wedding Izzy starts getting like a little bit of cold feet and he tells us that he had gone to the gym earlier and that Titanic started playing on the TV screen. And he thought that's what love should be. And that's what I thought like, oh, you just want to marry the rich girl and have her not talk about your debt. That's it. <laughs> also, she left him hanging in ice water and froze to death. And she watched him. Is that what she won? Did you see the end of it? So when we get to the weddings, I hate that we get there, I, Izzy says yes, Stacy says no. I hate that she was the one who said no because ultimately that gave Izzy the nice guy edit. And he got to be the one crying and walking around the wedding venue in his suit and sweating and being heartbroken, like to be the nice guy for America, right? Oh God, Milton literally, and Milton and Lydia are the only other couple, they say yes to each other, so I mean, it really was like a nothing burger for me. <laughs> so we get to the reunion. Izzy explains his debt. And he says that it was really less of a debt thing and more of like a bad credit score situation. And I think he said on a podcast that at the time his credit score was like 580, something like that. Um, but also he said, on the other hand, he's not really used to the lifestyle that Stacey grew up in. But he wasn't scared of that per se. You he wasn't scared to bring up his debt or his credit score per se, but, um, that was part of it. Right. Then they reveal that after the wedding, because Stacy is like at the altar, she says no, then they kiss and she's like, but I love you. I want you to know that I love you. Like I'm still here. And then later they have a conversation where he's like, I can't really trust that. Like, if you're not going to say yes to me now, I don't really want to do that. So excuse me so they revealed the reunion that a week after that wedding they like took a week break got back together he felt something was off of Stacy and was like are you still feeling this and she said no so he got so upset that he walked out and they didn't speak for a year but they claim to be like besties homies now
1: it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim?
0: Another thing is that we find out Johnny and Chris broke up because they get into this big fight with Izzy and Stacy at one of their barbecue meetups where Stacy accuses Johnny of like being fake and like just trying to, you know, find whoever she could match with and really feeling Izzy. So they get into a fight, but Chris and Johnny are like a united front because they're a couple and he's being really defensive. But we find out at the reunion that like a week after they pulled this united front shit, it was. Johnny's birthday, but also Chris was going to be going out of state for a wedding. So, she goes out of state on her birthday weekend, and she says, basically, he ghosted her after that. (laughs) She didn't hear from him, they didn't hang out the next week, and then she finds out through a friend that he's, like, fully in a relationship with somebody else. And Chris is like, yeah, I mean, that probably wasn't, like, the best way to go about it, but... I don't really regret anything. So (laughs) they also claim to be friends, but I don't really know. Like he really played you, girl. Uche does not show up to the reunion and Aaliyah does. She tries to confront Lydia about saying, you know, at some point I felt like I'm going to meet somebody from my past in the pods. But then Milton really takes over as a husband on behalf of his wife. Okay. And he's like, listen, Uche tried to have a conversation with me and he tried to act like we were besties but we weren't. We were not even acquaintances. He was trying to unload a bunch of weird shit about Lydia. He seemed oddly obsessed with her the entire time. He gave me a bunch of unwarranted information and I honestly didn't care because I had bonded with Lydia and that man was not my friend. And I felt like he was on a campaign to try to take Lydia down and like I wasn't really trying to do that. So Elias, like, does admit that she and Uche did date afterwards, but then he told people that he was not attracted to her. She was not the type of woman that he would typically find attractive. Like, have you looked in the mirror, sir? Sir? Gentlemen? You look like one of the characters from SpongeBob SquarePants. But okay. Okay. I was going to do 10 things, but this is technically 11. One thing about Vanessa Lachey is that she's going to ask a question, okay? So at the reunion, we have to address why JP was so turned off by Taylor when they first met. And Nick does his typical thing of trying to make the men look better by being like, oh, you know, you uh, you know, you probably could have said something better. You probably could have went about it the wrong way. But this is what I think you meant, right? And JP doesn't say anything. But Vanessa is like try to get down to the details. Why you aren't attracted to her, JP? Does she look like somebody that you would have ever dated? Does she look like somebody that you have dated in the past? Would you approach her in a bar? And JP says that typically he makes his friends go in like first and then he'll talk to a woman and everybody just kind of stares. And then this weirdo admits that he's in a whole relationship. How the hell did that happen, JP? Weird ass. Anyway, let's move on to Ronnie. You understand when you have babies, when you have four years of IVF, it's okay. Totally. It's okay to have these struggles. It's fine. Yes. It's normal. Oh, you yes. guys, no, just I'm, just let, me let me talk, let me talk, let me talk. You got
1: You implied my
0: husband is cheating on me no, because I'm not, not having sex with no, him. No, I did not. Yes, you both All right, did. No, no, let's I move didn't. on to Roni. Uba, Uba hot. Uba started off real hot texting the group chat saying i'd like to kindly request that you refrain from intervening during my conversation with karen k-e-r-i-n tomorrow jenna responds sorry who's karen (laughs) aaron then says (laughs) i will not continue to be slandered by Uba," and Uba responds karen all caps you better pray to your god tomorrow that you come correct Hot, 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 hot. So we're, you know, getting our typical housewives backstage, getting their glam before the reunion. Andy goes to check in on Uba, and she's like basically pissed off that Aaron doesn't have her back. But they're going into this love and light, hoping that things can be fixed. Aaron cements that she is a loser. Ugh, with no sense of humor whatsoever. Lame. Whack. When during her clip package, obviously they're gonna make the joke about her and Jessel having that conversation about Tribeca being an up and coming neighborhood, right? And Jessel makes the joke like, "Yeah, I made Tribeca happen." And Aaron goes, "Oh my god, you're joking, right? You didn't make it happen, Jessel." Jessel's like, "Yeah, no, I'm referencing. It's just a joke, Aaron." Even Si has to be like, "Girl, she's kidding." Uba randomly says that Jenna has a poor me victim mentality on camera when the real Jenna is a powerhouse. Now later she does say that cuz I don't I'm not sure who said it, but they somebody else said that like Jenna is somebody who they they were just surprised at how humble and contrite she was and how open she was with everybody and vulnerable. Considering her reputation which is like Uba does say well that's what I meant to say <laughs> was it what she meant to say I don't know because she had some licks in there after that that pretty much cemented to me that what she said is what she said and she said what she said but we can move on <laughs> Andy then asks Aaron about Psy making fun of the shakshuka and just like the little comments that she made in the confessionals right and how Aaron do you feel about Psy now we find out that Aaron says she had no idea like what happened with Sai and there was some kind of switch that went on and Sai goes something happened to me you lie and you don't own your shit and then we find out that Sai is pissed off at Aaron because Aaron said on somebody's podcast that Sai was telling this com- she was having talking about the, the cheese situation right and that Sai had called her and was like oh we're all we're having is cheese. But Erin claims that she never said that. She she didn't really say that. Zaya actually pulls out her phone to play the clip. And she's like, Erin, you're perpetuating the story that I'm a rude person. Erin's like, "But well, I didn't mean it. Like, oh, is that all we're having? She just kind of meant it proverbially, not negatively. But the, the clip is giving negative for sure. Uba, again, comes in real hot and random. And goes, I don't think that this cheese conversation is that important. I think what we should be focusing on is how the three of you guys didn't want Jenna on the show. How about that? (laughs) She meant like Aaron sigh and I think Brynn, this goes nowhere and it should have been a whole part. Why didn't we talk about that? Speaking of Jenna, she talks about how she got into fashion because she basically felt like an ugly duckling growing up and she found power in clothing and that's kind of, how she went into the world. Jethil talks about how brave it was to film a scene with her mother, Jethil's mother, because Jenna's mother had died like a few weeks before they started filming the season. And Jenna's like, well, I was probably kind of on autopilot, but then there's a lot of like great conversations that they have about Jenna's journey to being a mother and how her own mother recognized that she was not like, loving her in the way that a mom should in the way that she deserved but she just couldn't do it and how she's like giving that to her son Beckett and how like Bryn asks her is it weird to parent a kid when you didn't have that and Jenna's like no I mean it's actually like pretty rewarding I do have to look to other people to like kind of figure things out sometimes but then I hear him say to his friends like I'm really cool and it means a lot and and that sort of thing right and Then we find out that, like, Erin has some kind of weird situation with her family where her parents got divorced, but she, her dad ended up being the primary caretaker, and then a few years later, he ended up having a second set of children with another woman, and so she was 15, his dad, her dad would go to Israel for work she would end up having to take care of the kids for like a couple weeks at a time get them off to school and like how type a and how like she's not allowed to be um any sort of fun because of that i mean aaron didn't say that she wasn't fun but like that's that's what i'm that's what i'm saying and then there was a conversation about how her mother had a health scare over the summer and then a lot of people rely on her and her family and she's kind of the matriarch i, I don't, I'm not really sure. I don't really know what to say <laughs> because she later says that Uber told her not to screw things up with her mom before it was too late because of the health issues that she had. Then we talk about sigh and you know, she admits that she has got this tough exterior and how that is a coping mechanism. And she masks it with humor and Andy goes, "Hmm, the humor part. Do you think that lands with people? Do you think you're successful at that? She's like, yeah, I do. <laughs> And everybody else looks around like, mm, I don't know about that, girl. I don't know about that. Shout out to Ira. He did a um, a Keep It episode where he interviewed Psy. And, oh, huh, I gotta say, I really tried to go into this as an unbiased and unobjective listener. And I just gotta say, like, truly, didn't do anything for me. Usually you can... Hear these people that you maybe don't like on the Housewives on an interview, and you're like, oh, okay, like I see something. I just gotta say that, that didn't happen for me with this interview, but we can move on. Aaron does apologize to Jenna for running about her wanting to take business class and presenting it to the other ladies as though this was her just being like rich and, and spoiled and not like having body issues with herself and she's like well i didn't know all the information and you know like i would not have presented it that way i would have given more backstory right and side does say that she feels bad too uba tries to say that she didn't say anything but brim goes well you did say that she could suck a dick (laughs) (laughs) um number eight on this is very important probably the most important um one of jessel's favorite authors is judith bloom We can move on. Number nine, Andy asks Cy why she got so mad at Brynn for talking about Mr. Connecticut when she herself spoke about it, not only on camera, but then also off camera to Brynn, so to multiple people. And Sai's like, that's a great question. I just feel like I'm a little harder on Brynn because we're very close and my, the main thing, she says Uba didn't really want any of this on camera, but the real thing is that she didn't want it out that he was from Connecticut, specifically. Um Brent says she didn't know that. She's like, if I had I known that that specific bit of information was top secret, of course I would have never said anything. Now, here's, here's where, I mean, Sai didn't have to, anything to lose from me anyway, but if she did, this is where she would have lost me. Sai, Says she takes full responsibility and that it's her fault for saying it in the first place, but ultimately she just really got upset about hurting Uba that she took it out on Bryn. Now, that would have been a great apology because you're taking accountability, except then we find out that Sai has not only not been talking to Bryn for six months because of the situation through the, the press packages and the photo shoots and all of that. Like they've been keeping it cute, but they haven't really been speaking. But also that Cy has been perpetuating this story, doing press and acting like Bryn was the one who broke the circle of trust and that she's like, you know, like even as of like a week before them filming the reunion that she was out here being like, well, you know, like Brynn's shady or whatever. This whole part one for me was like sigh clearly not realizing how much work that she has to do with regard to whatever went on her in her past that is affecting her now. She doesn't want Jenna to give her too many gifts. That's weird. She doesn't want to be too open with her friends because that's for her family. Like she could be open with her kids but that's not for her friends. And you know this sentence there like all these expectations and I don't want to open up to people because I'm damaged but it's like you, you don't want to open up to people People, but then you have all these expectations for jessel and jenna to be transparent and your version of honest and but then also like you're this hard ass who like doesn't get to say anything until you do but then we're supposed to be expected to know that you don't actually want to talk about that thing that you talked about like your mama and like everything it's like um what's it fucking old computer game Minesweeper? everything like if you're jessel dealing with size like Minesweeper, like you just never know <laughs> I I didn't even know that there was like strategy to Minesweeper. I would just click and click until I hit that bomb, you know? And I think that's what Jessel's doing. And that's what she should be doing because Cy's really out of pocket. Anyway, the part one of the reunion ends with Jessel getting in that ass, starting with Aaron. And Aaron's like, why do you keep coming from you and not Jessel? (laughs) And not not Cy. And Jessel's like, don't worry. I'm making my way down. Oh, also, Uba outs that. Aaron was the one who told Brynn that Sai was going around calling Brynn a slut and even put a thousand dollars on it. And Aaron just makes his face like, oh. but she never denied it. She was just like, uh. I know you can't see my face, but I hope in the silence you can, it's translating, you know? So then Aaron and Si are fighting for their lives, trying to claim that they didn't try to poke holes in the marriage with Pavit and Jessel. Aaron tries to say that she's not holding Sai accountable enough. And then Sai wanted to be all easy breezy about it. Like, you know, like, this is what she does with Jessel. It's like, I don't care. This is like, this is like so above, like, I'm so above this. Like, I don't actually care about this at all. I shouldn't be talking about your your relationship with Pavit. I really shouldn't. Like, it's not my business. You know, I don't care. I shouldn't be commenting. I don't think you guys have a connection at all. I don't see it. I don't see that you guys have a connection at all. But it's not my business. And everybody's like, but you just made it your business. And she's like, you're right, guys. You got me. <laughs> and then Aaron and Cy both have to deny or try to deny that they were implying that Pavit was cheating because she and Jessel were not having sex. And Jessel goes in on them and is like y'all I went through IVF for four fucking years like it's okay and you guys are acting like cause I didn't give it up that he was just cheating on me they're like no he didn't and they're like yes you did did you watch the show fucking blinders on <sighs> she's a queen she's a queen to me oh, okay. Amanda will be here and later tonight we have Brian Benny I know Brian Brian's bringing a buddy Tom Schwartz will come tomorrow huh. Okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Can't wait to see the guy. Yeah, you keep so sipping hard. that girl. Yeah.
1: I think he will be solo. Good. Um okay. oh. <laughs> missed link. <laughs> yeah, about a week ago the internet was broken by uh, by uh, sandfall.
0: Everyone's seen the news. Somehow I always find myself in someone else's mess. I'd prefer to keep it Mr. Clean and stay out of it. I know Tom Schwartz through his ex-wife Katie and she's not feeling great about him in this moment. So Tom, if you're bringing the baggage with Sandoval into this house, my safe haven from all the that I'm dealing with, no, just get out. Am I living under a goddamn rock here? I have no idea who the Tom Schwartz is. All right, let's ski to the end here. I don't. That doesn't make sense. We'll we'll move on to talk about Winter House, shall we? I love this show. I really do. <laughs> and that's my truth. Let's start with number one. We have moved. We're now in season three from Vermont to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. We see Kyle, and unfortunately, Corey's also there. They call Malia and katie from below deck from their cars and the yachty's are already on the prowl for that man reasons unknown what i will say though even though we had to be subjected to cory hearing kyle let out his classic yeah buddy like i it just really felt like home to me (laughs) and i loved it. it it's weird the things that we become used to like I don't even think twice about the fact that Kyle, see, like, prefers to pee outside and, like, talk about it and let everybody look at his urine and, like, really make a big deal of it. Like, I don't even think about it anymore. You know, just, like, I don't think about seeing Sony Morgan's blurred out areolas or, you know, things of that nature. Just, like, Dorinda's lipstick all over f- her face. You just move on. This is your family now. And you love them. Even when
1: we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.
0: Number two, Danielle is now five months out from her breakup with Chef Robert, right? She says that this trip is about putting her mind towards anything else and says fuck Robert. But then she also says later that she was very much interested in getting back together with him. Saw him recently because he works in Aspen as well. And he made it very clear that he did not want to be back with her and that that was never, ever going to happen. So that's sad. I mean, it's not sad. Like, Robert made it very clear that he had no intention of truly committed committing to uh, Danielle in a long-term way. So she's clearly much better off. I just hate to see a situation like that and her not have the upper hand. Like, you hate to see somebody who wants to stay but is letting the person who doesn't really want to be that committed is like, I'm going to stick in this relationship with you As long as I'm getting what I need. But I'm never going to give you what you want. It's sad. I don't want to see that, you know? But because of this, we get... Y'all know that every season of Winter House, we get our, what I call, one allotted blonde. Usually they're in tech. So we get our random person who has no ties to Bravo. Danielle's friend, allegedly, Casey. She works in crypto, also allegedly. Seems like a nice girl. But, you know, it's just like we got we had what's of phrase from the metaverse. Jessica, if y'all don't know, Jessica now has a new boyfriend, the one who was chasing around Corey um, all the time, and she <laughs> has a new boyfriend, I think lives in L.A., and they sell what I believe is pomade on TikTok. So that's where she's at now. Queen Jordan from Summer House, Martha's Vineyard. If y'all haven't watched, you need to watch. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. It's a great show. But Queen Jordan from Summer House, Martha's Vineyard, is making her representation in the Winter House. She introduces us as a... She's a mix of bad gal, Rihanna, and Stevie Nicks. And since they're on vacation, anything goes. Now, if you watch Summer House house Martha's Vineyard, you'll know that Jordan talks a big game, but we'll talk about this in a second because it's funny to me. I actually think it's quite hilarious, but Kyle tells everybody who's coming to the house because people are like staggering in, right? Brian from Family Karma's coming in later tonight. Schwartz is coming back in the morning and then when that gets brought up, Danielle says in a confessional, she knows Tom through Katie. Katie's not happy with him at right this point at this point in time or any point in time. So if Tom's going to be bringing his baggage into the house, he can just get out. Right. Then we see a flashback of, we have to keep in mind that like when Kyle mentioned shorts, everybody's like, "Uh Oh, cause this is March 10th. We found out it's like literally a week after everything came out about Scandival. And it was like a little bit thrilling to go back in time a little bit, but I re- the, what really thrilled me is the flashback of uh, Sandoval, um, fake crying at LVP's house, getting like self tanner and diet squirt and tears all over her windows. Like, that really was something that I had buried, and I like to see it. So, Brian from Family Karma shows up and he brings up his friend Alex from the Lodex sailing yacht. A delightful. I don't know if that's a word mixed between Hozier and Justin Bobby. If you find that combination delightful, then I would say that it's the looks, but the awkwardness, because you know, Justin Bobby could never quite figure out this whole human thing and you know, the whole conversation thing. That's it's really in the hair in the hair. Anyway, immediately as soon as Danielle and Jordan set their eyes on Alex, they're like, Oh, thank you absolutely yes he's a hot hot hottie and he's gonna be our man but then Brian tells Alex to lead the cheers and he says to rattlesnakes and condoms two things I don't fuck with and everybody's like oh okay Brian tells everybody once they sit down for dinner for their like foxes and furs party I don't know that he wants to get married by 35 he's 31 at this point because he feels like If he doesn't get married by 35, he's fucked, which leads them to go around the table, be like, all right, who's single? Who's taken, right? Everybody's single except for Kyle. Of course, Amanda's at a bachelorette party. She already on FaceTime told Kyle that she didn't miss him, (laughs) but she will be showing up later. But everybody's like, single, 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 single. Corey? Oh, and then all of a sudden it turns into that fucking Snickers commercial where you're stuffing your food. He's, oh, oh <coughs> a bone, a bone in my throat. Oh, uh, uh, uh just eating, guys. Oh, and then he's, like, really trying to, like, I can tell he's, like, trying to make this a big deal about him not answering so that he can actually not answer. Like, he's trying to make a joke out of it so that he can get, avoid it. But Malia's like, no, no, no what's good? What's what's going on here? And he's like, well, I met a girl named Sam in the Hamptons and we've been seeing each other. And he says in a confessional that he likes Sam a lot, but it's like kind of a gray area. Cause they're not official. So like technically he could have more fun, but then he kind of stops himself and he's like, well, how do I say this? So that this doesn't sound bad. So Katie is like, okay, so are you in like a situation ship? And he's like, yeah, Danielle's watching this. And she says in a confessional, Corey's in a relationship and it's really annoying because I love the person that he's seeing. Now what is interesting is that Sam does come to the house later in the season. I think they're only there like a couple weeks, a week and a half. Right. But Sam does show up later. Now, if y'all remember Sam announced in like April while the show was airing, while Summer House was airing that, uh, She and Corey were, like, official, but it she did not announce it until the episodes of them, like, starting to talk to each other in the Summer House started to air. Something that I always thought thought was, like, really sketchy on Corey's behalf, like, oh, okay, you're only announcing that you're official with this chick right before it's about to be on national television. Sam, you didn't think that was you didn't find anything sketchy about this. But now to find out that this is also like a couple weeks after filming winter house, where it seems like very obvious to me that Corey is trying to be sneaky about his relationship status to the rest of the ladies in the house. I'm just like wondering how that official relationship conversation really went down. So moving on to Alex and Brian, who both agree that they think that Jordan is the hottest chick in the house. Brian says in a confessional that he and Alex have the same type, which is anybody. But the difference is that Alex is looking to just hook up and like move on. Whereas he wants something more serious, like a wifey for lifey, as he puts it. So Alex has a plan to get Jordan in the hot tub with him because he figures that if he could just get her to the hot tub, that's all it's going to take. He can kiss her or whatever, right? Take her to church. (laughs) Well, Brian's inside trying to work on Malia. Brian ruins it immediately by telling Malia that she's really layered like an ogre, like Shrek. And she's like, mm-hmm, I get it. And I feel like you shouldn't be saying this. Thank you. So back in the hot tub, Alex's game is just like staring and being like, you're smoking. You're beautiful. And Jordan goes, okay, so what does that mean? <laughs> so... Martha's Vineyard. Jordan is a play former Playboy model, regular model, like baddie. Okay, but one thing about Jordan is that the thing that will turn her off immediately is is a guy that will lead with her being physically attractive. Like, that is a no-no for her. (laughs) This happened multiple times in Martha's Vineyard, and now it's about to happen again. So he's just staring at her. Which, like, straight men, don't just stare. What do you guys think is happening? What what is it that... Because we all know that you guys are doing this. Before you're about to kiss us, you just stare at us. But it's not, like, a sexy stare. It's, like, like, you're trying to change something within your mind. Like, you're trying to move something with us. And I just wish he would stop that. <laughs> so he's, like, on one side of the hot tub, and he keeps inching closer and closer and closer to her side. But as soon as she gets, like, within kiss territory, she turns her head and goes, Nope. No, no, no. No, no, no. And then it is long and awkward, the pause. Like, we're talking... Look around, everybody on mute. Where he's just like all up in her face, space being like, Oh, really? Like, I'm not gonna get to kiss you? Oh, okay. And then finally, he just is like, Oh, you're tortured, you're killing me. The guy has no game whatsoever. Like, he is a cutie. But you gotta take it further than that. Like, (laughs) It is truly Justin Bobby. Like, he's got no game. I don't know how he lands or pulls chicks whatsoever. He just like, I'm just going to, like, name it and try to get you in, into my church. And Jordan said, I'm an atheist, okay? I'm not going to be taken to church. Jordan says in a confessional that she likes somebody with swag, but right now Alex is giving cornball. So, this is where things end for them. So, she tries to go over to her bedroom to go to bed, but she runs into Brian in the hallway and he's like, hey, 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 hey. And tries to kiss her too, and she's like, oh, no. And he's like, really? And she's like, yeah, no. <laughs> it's interesting to me the way these men just feel like they're just like entitled to kiss Jordan. Because I don't feel like they're going to be running that game on anybody else. Like, they're going to actually be trying with all the other chicks in the house. But with Jordan, they're just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to kiss her. Because she's hot. Yeah, that's something that we need to think about, I think. So the next morning, Alex does what I call a nightcap, which is where you try to pretend like you you failed from last night and then you try to wake up the night before and act like you were so drunk that you didn't know what happened. That's a nightcap to me, okay? So he, on the way to snow tubing, tells the guys, like, "Ah, oh, bro, like I don't know what happened with Jordan or whatever, right? Corey turns to Brian and Alex and goes, who in the house are y'all going for? Cause I'm gonna pursue whoever whoever it is that you want. <laughs> and so Alex goes, um I do know Jordan, Danielle, the short one maybe, meaning Malia. And then he tries to flirt with Danielle but Danielle's friends with Jordan, right? Like, in real life, friends with Jordan. So she already peeps games. Jordan told them, uh, Brian and Alex tried to kiss me last night within minutes of each other. So as he's flirting with her, she's like, I think maybe you should just focus on one person at a time. But then in a confessional, she very much leaves the door open and says she's interested. She just wants to check with Jordan first because that's her friend. So as long as Jordan care doesn't care, she's good. So we end with... Everybody going back from snow tubing, and Kyle tells everybody that Schwartz just texted him and was like, Oh, I'm on my way. Usually I would be giddy, but this whole drama, the scandal, has a hold on him. And they're just like rolling their eyes, right? Kyle says that he can't imagine being bombarded by every media outlet in the world. And so the episode ends with Schwartz pulling up to the house and he's like getting his stuff out of the trunk. And he says in a confessional, I feel like I got thrust into a parallel universe. Me and Tom actually had this trip planned for after we opened the bar. Like, I remember that. He was supposed to go. <laughs> this was already in the works. It had been announced. And, like, they were like, we're going to open up Shorts and Sandy's, It's going to be good. Like, clearly they're like, okay, we're going to film our season of Vanderpump and then go to Steamboat and, like, just kick it and snowboard or whatever. But that's not the reality of what happened, is it, Shortsy? And then he walks in, he literally kisses the ground, and then he's like, I feel like I'm having an identity crisis. I'm like a side character in somebody else's movie, and I just, honestly, I don't know what's going to happen. like, well, honestly, like, it was a little thrilling. That's sick of me. That's sick of me to say. (laughs) But thank you guys for joining me in my sickness, and uh, we'll be back on Monday. We'll be doing pop culture welcome to plathville we got welcome to plathville news and the recap and Kardashian. so thank you guys so much for listening thank you for speaking